A little funny, isn't it? It's morbidly funny. That's good. Um, And again, this goes right along with where we were at in worship, where Therese was at. And I want, even though there was a funniness to that, you could sense as it went on, the atmosphere was changing. Because how many of you would expect to marry someone like that? If you're a father or mother, how many of you that have sons would expect them to marry someone like that? I wouldn't expect that for my... I would definitely not want my daughter to say that. But my son, who represents me, who is a piece of me and who I am, I would not expect him to have anything to do with a relationship like that. And yet... And what I'm going to do over the next couple, three weeks is sometimes we get up here and we preach and we talk and we teach and uh, we, we try to address big C and little c, big church, little church. And for the next few weeks with myself and with Tom, we need to address little c. We need to address me. We need to address you. We need to address New covenant as a bride who is in relationship with Jesus who paid a very expensive price for me and for you who came and he said, Alex, will you marry me? And in the heat of the moment, when we get saved, we say, yes. I will marry you and I will give you my life. But I need to see other things on the side. And I have, since we're being uh, open and vulnerable this morning, I've, I've really dwelt upon this for the past several months. And in the past few months, it, it has been an uh, internal and an external battle. With communication to God like, how can I stand in front of a group of people and preach on sin? When my sin is so evident to many of you who have been affected by how I have carried myself. And, and the, the, the point is not whether it was done on purpose or on accident, but that it was done. Because I have given my word to many people in this room, and I have not kept it. Always using the excuse or reason, I forgot, Something came up, I had a meeting, I had this, I had that. And you have gracefully worked with me. And the times where I've had confrontation with you has been very tough, but has also become embraced. Because to get freedom from sin and these issues and to go to where God wants us to go, we have to be humble enough to, to talk to people. And not just to say like a few weeks ago, if, when you, when you, if you were here when Alexis and Austin were sharing what they were going through, it's, it's more than just saying I'm sorry. It's what we tell our kids. They'll go say I'm sorry. Go say I'm sorry. And to a point that's good, but, but when you say, Man, I hurt your heart. Will you forgive me? And you repent. There's a big difference. So it's been hard for me because whether or not it's true or not, what 
what I've fought with with the enemy is, okay, how many conversations now will I have in the next few weeks with people who will say, how dare you stand up there and reveal sin and talk about sin? We have to reveal, we have to talk about it, because what does our mission statement say? We are raising up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God and people from the next generation who will serve sacrificially, speak truthfully, stop. No, live holy. Well, we got to speak truthfully, too. See, we get all pumped up about signs, wonders, miracles, salvation, hitting the streets, praying for people up here, being on stage, worshiping, and preaching the message. But we don't get excited about living holy. And we should. See, the way that I grew up was I grew up with uh, some great parents who gave me some great values, who gave me some great foundation, but I grew up in a church that preached hellfire and brimstone all the time. There is truth in the hellfire and brimstone. If you don't get saved, you will go to hell. I can't deny that. That's truth. That's Bible. But we, what I believe that God's going to do in the next few weeks is use ministers to preach the gospel in such a way that teaches about sin and living holy, that convicts, that empowers in such a way that this earth is not familiar with. Amen. It's not enough to be convicted of my sin. I need and you need and what God's going to do through me and Tom and others is Empower you Amen. to confront sin and conquer sin. See, we love grace because it covers our sin. I love grace because it gives me the power to conquer sin. Amen. And that's what we need to do. The Holy Spirit wants us to leave here as we, as we start viewing and looking at sin, what it is, where it's in our life, and not just cover it up or talk about it or say, I'm sorry, I ask you to forgive me. But you know what? I have the power to get up and conquer it. But I can't conquer it if I'm just sitting down and I'm saying, God, forgive me. I'm sorry. Help me um, and conquer my sin. I have power to shut doors. All right. Just like Eric was telling Teresa that she opened doors with God and Holy Spirit's help, I have the power to close them. I also have the power to look at that door and not open it anymore. All right? Not just cover it up. Amen. Are we ready? Are we ready to have better marriages? Are we ready to have a better church? Are we ready to see revival and the glory of God? Partner. It's already here. Are we willing to partner with it to get to what God is doing and see a generation rise up? And help them conquer sin. And then as parents, work with our kids as they conquer sin. Amen. So let's pray real quick. Why don't we stand up? Stand up. So uh, I'll pray, but if you've got your spirit language, let's just go ahead. Let's, uh, let's pray in the spirit for a minute here. Lord, Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, we thank you that you are amazing. You're wonderful. You're great. You have such amazing grace. You're an amazing husband and you're amazingly patient. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to work through me that you would guide 
guide my words, you would guide my tongue, you would open hearts, you would open ears, even open mind as we preach the word, as we teach on sin and living holy. And that empowerment comes, that conviction and empowerment work together to create warriors that can defeat sin. And that we start to get sin out of our lives and love each other and do the things that we need to do. Holy Spirit, highlight to each person in here by the end of this message every area or at least one or two areas that we've allowed some little things to get in to start eating some fruit so that we can be totally fruitful and multiply in the spirit and be who you've called us to be. Holy Spirit, I ask for your help to share this message in such a way that this earth has not heard and is unfamiliar with. Amen. All right, so I'm going to give you a little quick minute. You can sit down on, well, Mike Brown, why are you saying that? Well, if you are discipling people, you get to learn stuff from other people you're discipling if you will be open to it. So Luke Davis gives me this teaching, and it just really fired me up. But he talked about how, uh, I'm not going to get all of it, but this uh, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson or Nicholas? Nichols, well, the golfer, all right? He was, uh, they did an interview with Jack Nicholas. Nichols, yeah, okay. We'll just call him Jack. They did an interview with Jack, and they were talking about Tiger Woods. And they were asking about how that he golfed. And Jack goes, he golfs in such a way that I am unfamiliar with. Now, of course, Jack's got all these records and stuff, and Tiger's coming up. And they, I don't know exactly know what they were trying to get at, but yet Jack, who was amazing at what he did, realized that this young guy coming up had something different. So what we have to do and what I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself and learning from people that I'm with is that I am called to do something that this earth is unfamiliar with and do it in such a way that they're unfamiliar with, but that empowers people. That doesn't come across critical because when we teach and preach on sin, it could be just like I shared. It could be judgmental. You go through these things. Oh my God, why are you calling me to teach on this when I have stuff that's seen so much? I've just got to do it and do it in such a way that you are empowered that when you leave here, we move as a conquering army and we do it together. Amen. So do whatever you do in such a way that this earth is unfamiliar with. Okay, Luke, thank you for that. I love I love that. So let's go go to our notes here. And I want to I want to encourage you to with this. Um, as I was taking my notes, I kept this thing in the back of my head that, that Tom told me that for some reason I didn't catch, but I finally caught. And he said, the same Holy Spirit that empowers you to put your notes down is the same Holy Spirit we rely on to go off on a tangent or fly by the seat of our pants. So I'm writing these notes down. I'm like, all right, Holy Spirit, how do, how do you want my notes to go? So I can still go with when you give me a little spot to say, oh, stop right here and go. How will it lead in? So same Holy Spirit who gave me notes to go through is the same Holy Spirit here right now. Same one that talks to me is the same one that talks to you. So let's look at this. Uh, our mission statement, we talked about that, is about living holy. There's a lot more to it, but we'll stop at live holy. So in order to live holy, would you agree that we need to know what sin is so we can stay away? Yes. It's one thing to say, oh, I want to do this, I want to be that, but... There's some things that preface that to get us to where we can do what we're called to do. All right, so as Christians, we are to avoid sin. Would you agree? All right. Hopefully, by the end of this, it's not so much about avoiding, but it's about I'm going to go conquer and kill it. All right? Not manage it. Okay? So how can we avoid it if we don't totally know what it is? Uh... I've already shared about how I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to use this to be encouraged and conquer, not just convict and condemn. So if you're starting to feel condemned, I want to encourage you to just, all right, just go to the zone and be like, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm not going to be condemned. There's no condemnation in those who love the Lord and you're not condemning me. That is of the enemy and I'm being convicted. Show me what I need to do. Okay. All right, so what is sin? Now, there's two different definitions that the Bible talks about that are, you're going to need to really remember over the next few weeks, all right? Because what I'm going to talk on is going to tie into where Tom's going. And I'm telling you, don't zone out on us. Don't be like, I'm not going to come back. 
Don't let condemnation or the enemy allow you to sleep in. Let's keep going and pushing through, okay? So what sin is in the Greek is translated into two different definitions. One is transgression. You're going to need to remember this. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Transgression. To step across or go beyond a set boundary or limit. All right? Transgression. To step across or go beyond a set boundary or limit. And we don't talk a whole lot about that when we're familiar with the word. We don't talk a whole lot about it. This is the one we talk about a lot. And that is to miss the mark. I missed it. I fell short. I fell short of his glory. We're all going to do that. So don't hear that I'm telling you to leave here and you're going to live perfect. It's not going to happen. We all have battles and when things get cast out, the enemy brings seven more back to fight against us. You're always going to have some kind of battle. It's how you choose to fight the battle. And who you choose to keep around you to help you fight the battle. Amen? Because if you're doing it by yourself, you're going to fail. I promise you. Amen? That's why going to church is so important. I mean, you, you can feel love in here, so now is the time to, all right, I'm not going to just love these people. I'm not just going to say I love you. I'm going to be like, how can I get to really know you? How can I get? To really know you. Because see, I know Jeff better now because I meet with him some and he likes the chicken salad at Park <laughs> Restaurant. See? But, but again, when I start to know someone and I start to love them, it goes back to that video. and It ties into my wife. I love my wife. I love Jeff. I don't want to purposely do anything. My love for my wife keeps me from going astray. My love for Christ. So maybe that's where we need to start. How much do I really love Jesus? How, where is my relationship at? Do I really love him enough not to flirt with other things of the world? Okay. So to miss the mark, this is the most thing that we commonly talk about. So, let's see. The okay. So you can also write this down too because I thought this was really good. And I didn't come up with this. I just stole it from somebody. The biblical definitions and explanations of sin are not a list of do's and don'ts, but a blueprint of how to live a godly, holy life. Okay? So, the biblical definitions and explanations of sin are not a list of do's and don'ts, but a blueprint of how... God lives. So if that's how God lives, that's how Jesus lived. I was created in his image. He is mine. I am his. Then I'm to live like that. Now I'm going to tie this into something else that I learned. There's several places where it talks about Jesus as Christ, right? I am in him. He is in me. Christ is in me. I is in him. Do you know what the word Christ means? Well, there's some other definitions. Well, what was it? Anointed. It translates to the anointed one and his anointing. So if Christ is in me and I am in him, then I have the power to conquer sin. I have the power. Sam has got the power. Lincoln, even though he's as, how old are you, Lincoln? 11. 11. Lincoln, at 11, has got just as much power to conquer sin as Pastor Eric. Yep, that's right. Because he's saved, Christ is in him, he is in Christ, so his power to conquer sin is the same one that Eric uses. That's right. The same amount. That's right. Do you believe that? Do you believe it now? Why do you believe that? Because I told you? All right, great, this is going somewhere. Why do you believe what I said? Because you know it's true. Why? Because I love you? How do you know I love you? Because you can just feel it? Can I tell them what you told me in Flip 180? Oh! So we're talking about, we're doing some equipping. I know this is a side note, but this is great. So I'm talking to him about this. Well, how do you know? How do I know you love me? And, and, ben, and Lincoln speaks up to somebody. He's like, man, you can see it. You can feel it. He shows it. So I'm like, well, how much do I love you, Lincoln? He's like, you love me a butt ton. (laughs) 
So, so listen, listen. Jesus loves you. <laughs> he loves you a butt ton, whatever that means. <laughs> he loves you that much. Look, Jesus is okay with having a little bit of laughter. We're hitting something serious. It's okay. It's the Oreo. All right. We need to conquer sin, but we have the power. We have the power because we know because he loved us. He shows us he loves us so much. So when he tells us something, it's true. And it's in the Bible. So maybe, again, part of the reason that we're not conquering sin is because we don't know what the Bible says because we're not reading the Bible. Now, I'm not going to ask this because I've done it before in the past. And I thought it might come across maybe a little critical, but. Ask yourself, how many of you from Sunday after church last Sunday till Saturday night read your Bible more? Or at least, at least read your Bible one time. You don't have to stand, but great, you did. There's there's probably several that did. But now we start getting into, well, how many read it three times? How many of you read it at least for 10 to 15 minutes once? Every day. See, there's, there's a few little, few more hands than what was the last time. Good. That means we're reading and we feel convicted. But we need to know it's not, you can't come, you can't come Sunday and expect all these people to give you something to make it through the week every week if you're not getting in and digging in it for yourself. See, I've found out more because I hear somebody say something and God highlights sin and I'm like, I got to get it out of my life. I got to look in here. I got to get in here. I start digging. And I start finding stuff and it comes alive. And I'm like, Holy cow, I'm, I'm in Christ and Christ in Him and I've got His anointing and His anointing one and I've got... I'm not so scared of my sin. I'm okay to face it now. My flesh is like, I don't want to sit down and have another meeting with this person and that person and... Uh, but, but my spirit man's like, go, get it out. Clean yourself up. Set an example. And I just got to get to where I'm setting an example for the better reasons and not and having to sit down with other people to ask for forgiveness and continue to work on my same junk. Amen? Are you following me? Are you tracking? Let me get back to my notes here. Let me see where I'm at. So, sin is not a list of do and don'ts, but it is a blueprint of how Christ and God lived. Okay? So... Let's look at some stuff about sin. What I'm going to do is you can turn to these scriptures. I'm going to read them because the word is the best preacher. And if I read it to you, you can get mad at me, but I'm okay with that because I just really read you what was in here. So you're not really mad at me. You're mad at the enemy for one, and then you can be mad at God if you want to be about what gets said. So let's go to Colossians 3, and we'll start with verse 5. We're going to read through verse 14. And while you're trying to find that, I'll give you a little uh, kind of start uh, with the uh, beginning, begin with the end in mind. Uh, We're going to today just basically work on defining some sin and what it is and get you pumped up, get you ready, get you thinking, all right, what, what am I dealing with? What little things have came in? We're going to talk about later next week how we deal with sin and why we are supposed to deal with sin and how we should be dealing with it because there's a difference between how we deal with it right now and how we should be dealing with it and a lot of that comes with condemnation conviction punishment discipline we're going to tie all that in because i think once we and, and forgiveness is a part of it forgiveness is a big key all right and not taking advantage of God's grace. Amen. Amen. All right, so Colossians 3, we're going to start with verse 5. And I'm going to read through the uh, uh, New Living Translation. That's the one I got. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. So what stood out to me at first was the thing that he said, so put to death. So how do I put something to death? I have to kill it, but I have to face it. I have to go one-on-one sometimes with whatever I'm dealing with. And if Alger's my thing that I'm dealing with, I can't like be over here and be like, God, just kind of kill that and take care of it. No, I got to go, look, I'm done with you. And I'm going to, whatever Brian does when he goes hunting, I'm going to, and Chad, I'm going to kill it. And then I'm going to gut it and I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to be like, I finally won. And then I'm going to eat it for my lunch instead of it eating me. Amen. You have to be direct with your sin, okay? 
So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life. Hmm. Greedy for the good things. So there are good things. We can have them, but that kind of tells me that there are some good things that can lead us to be in sin. All right? For, the good, for that is adultery. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still a part of the world, but now it is time for you to get rid of your anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander. Here's a big one for our church, dirty language. So, and I've struggled with that a little bit. You know, now my wife was like, he never cusses or says anything. For the most part, I don't. But I'm telling you, as I've been dealing with some of this stuff the past few months, there have been little rages of anger. And Carmen and Scott Fur- Furrow, Cash, I'm sorry that your daughter heard me in a rage of anger one day. So we, just so you know, we have a toilet upstairs that I've neglected, all right, which is sin, neglect. I neglected, and it would run over. So she gets up there, and she's using the restroom. Is this okay, Kyla? I guess I'm already into it. I'm, <laughs> all right. So, so anyway, I'm in. I'm in the toilet. So anyway, so she's up there. They spent the night. She flushes the toilet. I didn't know she flushed the toilet yet. And then all at once, we're like, "Well, where's Kyla? She was upstairs trying to get out of the bathroom. <laughs> the toilet had overflowed with floaties." <laughs> That I get, I don't know. Okay, the floaties <laughs> on the floor. It's above our playroom, and it starts leaking. So of course, it's already like eight fourteen, and we're trying to get everybody out the door to be here by eight fifteen. And Jenny Brugan was there, and it was just a mess. Yeah, it was a Sunday morning. So I'm walking. I'm like, oh, and I said the S word. And they all heard it. Now, we can look at that and think, oh, Mike, that was cute. And that was, you know, oh, he said a bad word. I shouldn't have said it. I represent something. This says no dirty language. Now, I don't want to get into legalism because can, we can feel that what happens is when you preach messages like this that the enemy gets in and what starts, that's legalism. You know, he's trying to preach perfection. He's being legalistic. No, I'm telling you what's in the Word. I want to do my best. You should want to do your best. And we have to at least, like what you're going to see the title, it's, I believe it's do or do not. There is no try. How many times have I said, well, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try, I'll try. No. I will. I will or I won't. It's either let your yes be yes and your no be no. Or it's okay to say no. But I have too many times said yes too many times and then be like, well, I'll try, I'll try. Or I use the word, I'll try. So it kind of gives me that little grace period. A way out. out. It's do or do not when it comes to sin. Amen. All right, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old evil nature and all of its wicked deeds. In its place you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about the anointed one and his anointing. Because mine says more about Christ who created this new nature within you. In this new life it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized slave or free Christ is all Christ is all that matters the anointed one and his anointing is all that matters and he lives in all of us since God chose you to be the holy people holy people whom he loves you must clothe yourself with tender heartedness mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience. And 13, my favorite. You must, my version says, you must make allowance 
for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Make allowance. So that means I purposely, as I go blow my nose, because I know the weakness of my brother or my sister, God is saying, Mike, you should probably make allowance for them. Now, we can get into all kinds of stuff about holding accountable and, you know, you're my brother and you sinned and all that stuff. You, you do need to go one-on-one to somebody. But I also need to go with the right heart. Man, I, we're working on some stuff together. It's not just about you and it's not just about me. How, how do we fix this? How do we move forward together? How do, how do I fix me? And I don't need to worry about how you fix you. Because when I fix me, how you act and who, whether you're fixing yourself or not really doesn't affect me unless I allow it to. I work on me, get me where I need to be, and then I'll allow God to work on you. Excuse me for a minute. All right. Let's go to the uh, next set of scriptures here. Ryan, you're doing a great job up there, buddy. Thank you. All right, the next set of scriptures is Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Now, as you're turning there, again, here are some things that I'm just going to hit on that God says is sin. All right? Uh, sexual sin, impurity, lust, shameful desires, greed, adultery. Now, adultery is when I put something else ahead of God. My job, my car girlfriend my my ball game you know my wife my husband my kids now these are all good things there's nothing wrong with them in general but when i put them before god the little things of sin start to come in okay uh what else does he say slander okay talking bad about somebody whether it's true or not Right. Well, that Alger, man, he, he's just a jerk. You know, I wouldn't have him change the light bulbs in my doghouse. That's slander. Also says in some places that gossip. Okay. Now, now but here's what we do as charismatic Christian people. Oh, you, you can tell me so. Just tell me so I know how to pray for him. Really? Can't do that. I've done that. And, and I, I will admit, because sometimes in, in bearing out our junk, sometimes it's okay to say, I, I'm kind of doing this thing good. Now, if you ask my wife, I believe at least one thing that I do good is if somebody tells me something and it's in confidence, I ain't talking about it to nobody. I don't even talk to my wife. And she's like, well, you're, I'm your wife. You should tell me. Well, look, <laughs> what, what if, <laughs> did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, now look, I'm not saying that to expose her, but I'm saying that she's learned because now she realizes, oh, well, what if I'm just in casual conversation and I bring that up and I'm like, oh, I should not have said that. And the only way that person knows that she would have known that they would have known is because Mike Brown opened his mouth. Can't gossip. I mean, you have the choice, but should you? And don't come up with the excuse, well, well you just need to know how to pray. Because I've even asked my wife if she starts to tell me something, what did, what did so-and-so say? Are you allowed to... S- yeah, she told me not to tell anybody. Well, I don't want to know. I don't need to know. Because I know I might speak. I might talk by accident. Okay? So, uh, yeah, anger. We all know what anger is. Rage. Malicious behavior. Kind of setting somebody up to fail kind of deal. You know? Uh, and dirty language. Lying. What about dirty jokes? It's one I've been convicted of. Now... But mainly this is a guy thing. So what do we, what do we Christian guys say? Well, we're not, we're not in mixed company. It's just us dudes, you know. I mean, is it really okay? Now, I'm not, I don't want you saying that Mike is up here telling me what I can and cannot do. I'm telling you what I've been convicted of, and I just want to rely to you what, relate to you what the Bible says. You decide, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. One of the things we do is we try to work it out without the fear and the trembling part. Okay? 
So where did I tell you to go? Galatians 5. Where are we at? Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Let me get it out of my Bible here. All right. So here's what mine says. The title above it says, Living by the Spirit's Power. So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit, that you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Your old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what our sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, and your choices are never free from this conflict. Never free. There will be a constant tension and battle between you, your, the Holy Spirit, and what your flesh wants. There is no easy button. Now, Holy Spirit makes it easier with the power that equips me and encourages me and empowers me to say, I'm, I can do this. All right? Okay, but when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are no longer subject to the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, your lives will produce these evil results. Again, sexual immorality. What about impure thoughts? Eagerness for lustful pleasure. Idultery again. Participation in demonic activities. Hostility. Quarreling. Jealousy. Outburst of anger, selfish ambition, divisions, and a hard one. The way mine reads is the feeling that everyone is wrong except those in your own little group. Now, don't hear I'm talking about clicks. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? That's, I'm not even saying any of that. We all have our own little groups that we do life with, that we have similarities with, that we have relationship with because our lives cross paths a lot. All right? There is nothing wrong with that. Nothing. Nothing. But when we think that our group is the one who's always right, and when we don't let others come in who want to participate and be a part of our life that's when the sin creeps in oh no I don't have room for you at my table today well it's okay to say hey man we've, our house is full today but I bet next week let's get our families together however you can't excluding people from your group is where the sin comes in alright that makes sense getting quiet on me but that's okay envy drunkenness, wild parties, and other kinds of sin. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You might not be living those lifestyles. However, there are little things that are creeping into our lives that lead to that lifestyle. Correct? You know, we talk about drunkenness. And I know some of these are going to be some sacred cows. But, you know, what about I just need a little glass of wine before I go to sleep? That leads to three glasses of wine. Or uh, I'm not going to smoke cigarettes anymore, but I'll do vaping. And I'll just vape. Or uh, I heard someone say, Let's go with this. What about a big issue? Legalizing marijuana. All right. God made weed. Yeah, I did. God made marijuana. There are attributes to that that medically help people. Rolling a joint, don't. Growing it in your backyard because it's illegal. You laugh. Look, I'm, I'm telling you. We take these things, and I've heard these things. Well, God made it. God made beer. God made hops. 
There ain't nothing wrong with I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what you can and cannot do. You need to hear what God is convicting in your heart. All right? I have kids that I have to set, I don't have to, but I choose to set an example for them. And what I allow will be what they allow. For instance, McKinley comes home, and Friday night she went to the skating rink. She's 11. Little girl, how old was the little girl? 13 comes up and sits beside her and her friend. Cigarettes hanging out of her pocket and then asks them if they'd like to go out and smoke weed. She does it with her mom because her mom's cool like that. Since she was nine. Now we're like, well, weed and all that stuff's illegal. But what about when she goes to the skating rink and somebody has got, you know, some 4040 or Colt 45 or Boone's Farm. Hey. Man, this is what I got this from my mom and dad. They, they, they have a little snort, you know, before they go to sleep or when they're mad at each other, they have a drink because it makes them love each other better. So she goes, well, I guess I've seen my dad and mom have a drink. There must not be nothing wrong with that. So sure, she knows there's something wrong with weed and smoking. What about a beer or a glass of wine? Again, what is God convicting you of? Because we have to remember, myself included, we represent something bigger than ourselves. Okay? My marriage with my wife represents something bigger than who I am. My marriage to Christ represents something bigger than who I am. Our marriage as a body and a piece of the bride, new covenant worship center, represents something bigger than this church. So what will we do or not do to be more fruitful? All right. Where am I at? So these are the obvious sins. Track with me for about 10 more minutes, okay? These are the obvious sins, but there are some sins that are not so obvious. We're going to talk about, uh, go to 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 through 24. First Corinthians 10. 10 verse 23 you say i'm allowed to do anything but not everything is helpful you say i am allowed to do anything but not everything is beneficial don't think only of your own good think of other christians and what is best for them i want to read another verse but i want to read something that i copied and pasted into my notes because it really says it better than i probably could have in Corinthians 1, Paul is often responding to the question and statements the Corinthian Christians, Christians, okay, not unsaved people, Christians, had written to him in an earlier letter. This is what he is doing in Corinthians 6, verse 12. So he quotes what they said to him, and then he responds to it. All things are not lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but... Here's what I love. Here's where the empowerment comes in. I will not be brought under the power of anything. So are the little things that I'm letting in that I'm saying are okay that aren't necessarily maybe sin that I classify as sin, like eating four Big Macs, all right, that I might love. But I know my brother, I'm not going to say, hey, let's go meet at McDonald's. I haven't eaten all day and I want four Big Macs and I know what the track that he's on. You may say, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. He'd probably say, that's okay, I'll bring my cabbage. Ugh. <laughs> In our meetings, he's eating this like half a head of cabbage, and I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> praise God he's doing it, you know? Awesome. But I'm preferring my brother by saying, I'm not going to eat what I'm allowed to eat, which is okay with me, but it's not okay with him. But if I don't prefer him, am I in sin? When I don't prefer my brother or my sister, I'm going to go to another place. I am all for moms nursing their children. I'm all for breastfeeding. What I'm not for is how you do it. All right? Now, power to the woman, you know. I'll just say, free the nipple, all that stuff. Okay? Okay. I get it. I, I understand. However, 
these pictures that I see on Facebook that my kids, that even though Isaac isn't old enough, he's getting old enough to where he could see, where Wyatt and Mason and, and Benjamin can see these pictures, you know? We are not preferring our brother. We're thinking all about my freedom and not about these young kids who might see that as pornographic. What about when you do it in the middle of church and you're just flipping everything out? All right. Now, listen, follow me. What about, you know, the eight men in here who I'm not saying they are, but there's eight. Just say there's eight men in here dealing with pornography and lust issues. And out of the corner of that eye, they catch you. Are you tempting your brother? You're not thinking about all the things that come into play. Now, I'm only thinking about me and I got the freedom to do what I want. Watch me feed my baby. All right. It's just how we do it. There's no sin in nursing your child. The sin comes when I don't prefer and think about everything else that's going on around me. Amen? Please nurse your babies, okay? I'm for it. My wife nursed every single one of my kids, all right? I'm for it. How you do it. I will not be brought under the power of anything. In other words, the Corinthians had told Paul in a letter that they believed the principle, all things are lawful for me. Where are we at? Where are we at? Yeah. In other words, all things are lawful for me. Paul's response is basically, okay, you say all things are lawful, but I say not all things are expedient and I will not be brought under the power of anything. Paul is correcting the Corinthians' misconception of our liberty as believers under the new covenant. We are free from the law of Moses. Amen. We are free from condemnation. Amen. We have enormous freedom. And we've done a great job of this church of saying, you're free and I'm free and we're all free. Woo! But... We are not free to break the law of love. Love towards God and love toward our fellow man. Okay? Don't do anything that would cause your brother to stumble. Romans 14, verse 12. We're almost wrapped up here. Romans 14, 12. Here we go. Yes, each of you have a gift. Oh, each of you have to give a personal account to God. Hmm. So don't condemn each other anymore. I am not condemning you. Please don't hear that. I am just, uh, God's using, and I've got to be brave enough to just step out there and lay it all out and try to do it in the right way. We are, there's no condemnation. It's conviction. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not put an obstacle in another Christian's path. I know I am perfectly sure on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Now, a lot of this is going to be about food, but we're, going to, it's, we're talking about sin. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. And if another Christian, here's what I love about this version, if another Christian is distressed, by your sin or your action, you are not acting in love if you continue to eat it or continue in that action. Don't let your eating or your sin or your action ruin someone. What does that say? Yeah, ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be condemned for doing something you know is all right. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and other people will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, there's nothing wrong with these things in themselves, but it is wrong to eat anything or do anything or it's wrong to sin, period. If it makes another person stumble, 
Don't eat meat, drink wine, or do anything else if it may cause another person to stumble. So if we agree that we are to obey the Word of God, amen, then why do we only pick and choose what we want to believe? So we're just reading or what to obey. We're reading what all this says. There are things that I need to stop doing. There are things that I should be doing. There's also a verse that says, to him that knows to do good, I believe that's James 4, 17. To him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin. So that means if I know to do something good, let's take the open arms thing, passing around. I know that it's good to give some food and help out. But it comes in front of me and I pass it along. Now, yes, ask Holy Spirit, should I give this time? Should I do this? Should I do that? But the word's pretty clear when it comes to giving. If you have extra, you're to give. If you have two tunics, give away one. If I have an extra $20, then why wouldn't I give that to the kingdom instead of thinking, oh, I've got five pops and two snicker bars that I want to, I got to use that $20 to get me through the week so on my way to work I can grab my coffee or my Mountain Dew or my Frappuccino latte triple shot from, I mean, still need to go to the cafe, all right? But there is this thing that when we don't prefer and do good, we, we really pay attention to, to lying and cheating and, and having a girlfriend if we're married or, you know, having sex before we get married or, you know, cussing, drinking and getting drunk and being carried out of bars. That's all sin. But what about the sin of omission? where I know I'm to help my brother or help my sister, but I think of some excuse, some biblical excuse, well, he should really do it himself. He's pretty mature, you know. When I use these excuses to come up with so I don't help and do good, that is sin, correct? I got like four of them. That's all right. That's what the Bible says. It is sin. Now, I had a little illustration I was going to do, but I'm going to do that next week. Because it, it's an illustration that some of you have seen. And it, it shows an earthly perspective of sin and a godly perspective of sin. And when I show it, I want to do it in such a way to where it's, I believe it's correct, but we have to change how it's worded. Okay? So a little intriguing this for you. All right? So, illustration, I'm not going to do this. So, I'm, we're going to... Where are we going to need to go, Holy Spirit, so we can get out of here? All right. I want to say that if you have questions about certain things, please come see me. All right. Come talk to me. Talk to Eric. Maybe you're like, I don't know if this is sin or not. Or Mike, this really offended me because you said this and how dare you. And Come talk to me. Let's, let's talk. All right, because then you are in sin if you just take it and go and gripe about me to, you know, the 87 people that are in here or whatever the case may be. Part of what happens, why we continue to walk in this sin is subconsciously we are, because we've talked so much about freedom and we've experienced freedom and we want people to be free because they've been so bound up, we, we love grace. And we've done a great job of preaching grace and that grace covers a multitude of sin right, is it first peter ben that talks about how love also covers a multitude of sin so if i love my brother and i prefer my brother and i choose not to sin and i walk in love is it possible that my love through god is covering my brother's sin i don't know it's just a question to think about it's what the word says so how now how, how are we going to search that out how are you going to study that to come up with what god's truly saying but we grossly take advantage of grace. Grossly. And, and, I, and I've realized it and I've noticed it. In this grace, we, we continue to ask for forgiveness or say I'm sorry to Jesus. You know, I, I shouldn't have had four bottles of wine last night. I got such a headache, but I'm still going to church. Or, you know, I shouldn't have smoked those two cigars and gambled with my buddies. You know, whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. All right, we have to think about our brother and prefer our brother, but 
we've, we've preached grace so much that it's just in our system that, oh, I'll wake up in the morning, grace is going to cover it. All right. Uh, so I'm talking with Austin and Alexis and doing marriage counseling. You know, I've learned a lot from my spiritual son and my spiritual daughter. I love them. And if you disciple, you grow these relationships, yes, you're given to them, but if you'll listen, just like with listening with Luke and listening with these guys, you'll God speak to you. So we're talking about things, and Austin's like, Alexis is always late. You know, she's never on time. She's, and Alexis is like, oh, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. You know, I, I got this 10-minute grace period at work, and if I got to be there at 8, like, I clock in at 8.10. Or if I got to be there at noon, it's like, I'm there at 12.10. I'm not late. And she's sharing this, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, what are you telling me right now? We all do it, all right? But let's look at it from a spiritual aspect. She was taking advantage of her grace period, all right, her 10 minutes. Now, she still got her job, right? She's still working at Walmart. Did you get a paycheck? Still got a paycheck. Uh, you still like to do your job? Well, she never did. <laughs> but she's, Walmart's using you, right? Okay, so Walmart's using her. She's still receiving a paycheck. She's still got her job. She still has a relationship with Walmart. She's still receiving benefits from the kingdom of Walmart and the one who runs Walmart. But will she ever get promoted? So, that, if we answer that quickly, nope, she won't. So why are we griping about our promotions? We sit here and we say, you're holding me back. You're holding me back. You're holding me back. No. We, we're not looking at, you know, the fact that I'm abusing grace so much. Yeah, I'm still working in signs, wonders, and miracles. I still have a ministry that's kind of growing and our church is growing. And I'm still preaching the word and I'm still receiving benefits from the kingdom of God. I still have a relationship with God and with Jesus and with Holy Spirit. But as I abuse the grace, I will not be promoted. Now, if you can show me biblically that you can abuse grace and be promoted in the kingdom, please show me. Because I've looked and I've not seen it. And I could have missed it. But I don't think I did. We, we are a group of people that God wants to set apart and to live holy. And to He wants you to be promoted. What's your ministries to grow, but not for you, but for the glory of God that he says, he says, let all your deeds be shown. Let, let all men see your good deeds that what? That they may give glory to the father, that they may know him. We have to keep sin out of our lives and these little things that we are ignoring because there's also a scripture that says that it's the little foxes that destroy the vines. If you know anything about gardening and the thickets and all the stuff that grows up, it's not the big deers and bears that come in and tear stuff up. It's the little things that get in. It's the little foxes that get into the grapevines. They start down low. They start eating all the little bitty fruit. But yet the vine is still fruitful. You're like, oh man, there's still, there's still fruit there. It's still growing. I'm still good with God. I'm and all the while, down underneath, all these little foxes are eating up all your fruit. And pretty soon what's going to happen is they're going to get to the roots. And they're going to pull them up. And then your fruit's going to die. And then there's no foundation. We have to be holy. We can no longer take advantage of the grace period. I believe we're in a season. God does not work, I believe, in, in areas of, of minutes and hours and years and months. He works in seasons. We are in a season of awareness, I believe. And in the season of awareness, where you allow men of God to share something with you, get past their own junk, receive the message, work on you while I work on me and while Eric works on him and Chad works on him and Tina and Sean. Allow each other to work on ourselves and trust the Holy Spirit to do something in people and then you can start getting away the little foxes. You can start being fruitful. You can stop taking advantage of the grace period. And you can start walking in something that this earth is unfamiliar with. See, they're familiar with ministers who gamble. They're familiar with ministers who get caught in, in sexual sin. 
who lose their families, who still go out and have a few drinks every now and then, who still go out and occasionally watch TV shows that they shouldn't or watch R-rated movies or, you know, well, I'm not going to watch porn, but I'll watch Game of Thrones because there's just a few splashes of nudity on it instead of me watching all of it. It's there. We all struggle with it. And we're going to get into how can I, how can I fight? And the word says that he always makes a way of escape. You have to be where you see the way of escape that God has planned for you. Stand up.